baby, let's get this party crack a lacking. Back at it again. Edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show with your host right here, RIC, and the place to be, Rick Saratella. Tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2002. You already know how we do. Get down on it. Going to be welcoming my uh, fellow co-hosts here in just a second, Joe Everett and Justin Gamble. Appreciate them holding it down for me last week as we welcome the newest member of the NFL Draft Bible Familia, Oceana Saratella. We welcome her, her into the world. So celebration of life here on this week's podcast. Of course, we've counted you down with the positional previews all the way now to the defensive backs. We'll cover the cornerback and safety class of the 2018 NFL draft, counting you down to destination Dallas, where we are going to have some really cool behind the scenes coverage with some of the prospects that are going to be in the Dallas NFL draft. So, With that being said, we'll also talk about uh, NFL draft prop bets. If you're going to be out in Vegas, if you're going to have a little action, hey, maybe you're not in Vegas but still have some action. Our uh, our NFL draft experts are going to have some Vegas locks for you to double down on and win you some money. What's better than watching the NFL draft? Well, watching the NFL draft and winning money on it. That's something new that we've seen here with the second year of the NFL or Las Vegas, I should say, has opened their books to the odds. And uh, if we have some time at the end of the show, we'll see if we can fit in some uh, latest draft buzz, some hot takes and things like that. So with that being said, let's dive right into it with our fellow co-host. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett. He never leaves a stone unturned. He is the director of college football scouting, Joe Everett. On the Pressure Sportswear hotline, check them out, PressureSportswear.com. Joe, how goes it? Well, two weeks away, can't believe it, but uh, I'm glad it's finally here. I mean, it's it's, it's time to party, draft month, uh, April, what else can you say? Unbelievable. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty just two weeks away, and you can follow this young man over on Twitter at GamScout. He is always dropping the gamble on him. He is Justin Gamble, our co-director of college football scouting. He joins us, of course, Joe, in the Indianapolis area. Justin out in the Denver area now on the Pressure Sportswear hotline. Justin, would it be, baby? I'm here. I'm here bright and early, two hours ahead of you guys, or two hours behind you guys, I guess I should say. But, uh, hey, just wanted to say congrats to you and Sam. Brought another. Thank you. into the world. I've known you guys for so long, it, it just feels crazy to say that I've been a part of your life this long, and I get to see this. You guys bring another human into the world, so it's just really awesome. I appreciate that, guys, and the evolution of the NFL Draft Bible continues, and I know you guys were hopping on board as we got the show started, so I definitely appreciated you guys holding it down last week. Very enjoyable show to listen to. Of course, you can always go back, catch the archives. Last week we talked linebackers, and again, we've counted you down now um, all the positions. We're going to do the last position here, hopefully have a nice jambalaya draft extravaganza bonanza show for you next week, and of course, uh, leading up to the 2018 NFL draft. So, uh, gentlemen, start your engines, drink them if you got them, and let's talk about this 
defensive backs class where, you know, I want to start off with this question here, and we're going to do the NFL draft prop bets later on in the show. The Vegas odds actually have Derwin James coming off the board before Minka Fitzpatrick, which I found to be quite interesting. And, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is one of these guys here who has maybe not received some of the same publicity as, say, uh, Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley in terms of being uh, those franchise blue chip players in this year's draft class outside of the quarterback. So with that being said, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, I believe he played 40% of his snaps in the slot, another 40% of his snaps in the box, just 13 snaps from my understanding, where he lined up outside as a boundary cornerback. So this is what I want to start off with, and I'll go over to you first this week, Justin. Minka Fitzpatrick, let's take, you know, scheme out of the equation. You're an NFL GM. Where do you view Minka Fitzpatrick's best position at the next level? Well, it's got to be strong safety. I mean, he's the typical – prototype for today's NFL. He's that guy that can be the overhang defender. He can play in the slot. He can play in the box. He can line up against tight ends. He can line up against, you know, slot receivers. Um, I, I don't understand why some teams, I guess we're hearing, are viewing him as a boundary corner. Uh, I think if you put that, if you if you view him as just that, let's evaluate him from there. And he's a little stiff. He's a little rigid. Um, and I wouldn't say he's explosive. I'd say he's quick-footed. He's, you know, he's more of a – like, that's that's the, really the way I'd put it. He's quick, but I wouldn't say he's a pure explosive athlete. I think he's that guy that tackles well, he covers well, but it's more of a Buda Baker type, you know, prospect than a pure cornerback. And I don't think he's definitely a free safety. I don't know if he's, you know, Earl Thomas, transcendent center fielder, single high tap guy. I think he's just that true jack of all trades. And in today's NFL, that jack of all trades has turned into a strong safety. Um, so many teams ask their strong safeties to be more coverage guys than just pure thumpers. Um, you know, and so I, I just think it's a little easier than we're making it. I think he is fits perfectly today what we would want, in, you know, in any strong safety. You know, Joe, we, we saw this equation go down with Jalen Ramsey and in years past I think NFL teams valued cornerbacks so greatly that you know if he was a borderline corner slash safety hey corners are hard to find let's make him a corner but we went through a little phase where the you know the Steelers the Colts the Seahawks you saw the impact that Bob Sanders Troy Palomalu Earl Thomas made at the safety position I'm going to pose the same question to you. You guys got me? Yes. I'm going to pose the same question to you, Joe. Agree or disagree with Justin? Oh, I agree that that's kind of his role, and Justin damn near took my comparison, but it's the same player as Tyron Matthew, I think, is what he's going to get used like. doing what a lot of what he did at Alabama is playing some nickel just outside the box there. Uh, I think, you know, that's what a team, I kind of envision him as a corner because I, I think that's exactly what he's going to do is be on that slot man because he runs so well. And I mean, he's, he's just got to get used 
as a corner first off. I think the guy showed up in Indy and ran a four four six. I mean, let's let's try him in a lot of places. I don't think uh, he should be pigeonholed as anything first off. But yeah, I think a lot of teams they're going to have uh, a vision for him as uh, a similar to player like the Honey Badger. You know, he's going to be in a, a bunch of the different packages that they use. It's just he's going to be lined up as a nickel and I think uh, like a box safety uh, just to to start off, but I mean, I still think though there's a chance he could end up on the outside. I mean, just how well he runs, how smart he is, and just how depleted some teams are at the corner positions. Like, yeah, we we would love to use you on the slot, man, but right now this wide receiver's killing us on the periphery. Go chase him, Minkus. So I think there's going to be a little bit of that involved too. All right, uh, Justin Gamble, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella here, breaking it down, NFL draft, Bible style, defensive backs, and uh, Joe, just a beast with the rankings. If you go to NFLDraftBible.com, I haven't been able to tweet out or promote the link yet on social media, but Joe did a great job compiling uh, our rankings, our composite rankings between myself and Justin, and we've got the top 300 up there uh, overall, we got positional breakdowns, and you can use that as a reference as you're listening to the show. Just log on NFLDraftBible.com and click our rankings tab. It'll take you right there. So uh, great job, Joe, getting that up, and I, I think it's going to be uh, tons of usage out of that thing as we uh, get closer to the draft. And even during the draft, I mean, listen, we're going to have our ultimate top 500 big board with scouting report links and one-stop shop, your ultimate resource tool for the NFL draft eventually uh, before we get to that April 26th. But Joe, let me ask you this. Uh, it's a very uh, rich class. And in, in my opinion, in terms of defensive backs, we saw 70 um, defensive backs, excuse me, at the NFL scouting combine. I think it might've been a record with that being said, who are your personal blue chippers? I mean, I could see as many as five to seven defensive backs taken in the first round alone. I'm curious, Joe, on your take uh, over under that number, and who are these blue chippers in your opinion? Uh, yeah, I think you're right on, if not over that number. It is a good class, and it doesn't matter if you need a corner or a safety. Uh, there's just a couple of – well, what the league's turned and everyone wants Cam Chancellor, well – there's a few potential Cam Chancellors. I mean, Harrison, uh, Derwin James, uh, I think both those guys kind of profile as that fit. And, uh, you know, there's the gadget, the chameleon that is Minka. And then I think some really good eats at free safety. And then this corner group uh, uh, depends on what you play, how you want to play. I mean, I uh, brought up that Seahawks defense. Justin's boy Carlton Davis at Auburn. I mean, have the Seahawks drafted him yet? I mean, that, that's that's what he profiles as, is that kind of Richard Sherman, I'm just going to man up right, nose to nose, and it's going to be a long day for you because I'm so long and physical and tough. Mike Hughes, the speedster, I mean, that were it not for some red flags, I mean, uh, he might just be the top corner in the draft. I, I love me some Central Florida Mike Hughes and then Jari Alexander. I, I, yeah, this I think this uh, uh, a lot of first round corners are going to go off the board. It might just be just on corners. It it might be five of those, uh, not even uh, accounting the safeties into it. So yeah, I'd, I'd go over on DBs there, and yeah, I it's, I really believe it, it doesn't matter what scheme you play. There there is a corner out there for you, and 
man, none of these guys are slow either. That's what's freaky. Like, uh, we're a lot of them are in the four threes and four fours, just some stupid times. And, yeah, just uh, really good athletes. That I, I think those invites are high for a reason to the combine. You know, and I hate to be a broken record. I say it every year. I've been covering the draft now 17 seasons. Unbelievable to think. Bigger, stronger, faster every single season. Mm-hmm. And, Justin, I remember when you could count on one hand – on one hand, when, you know, not even fill a hand when you saw a cornerback that was six feet tall, ran in the 4-4 range, and, man, these guys would be overdrafted. Now it's almost like standard in the NFL. Like, I mean, you've got probably like two dozen corners that are six foot or close to six foot running in the 4-4 range. But, you know, a couple shows back, you grabbed my attention, or maybe it was on Twitterverse recently where – you actually stated that you would take Justin Reed over Derwin James. I'd love to hear more about that. And then also any other guys that Joe didn't mention who you would, you know, put in that first round blue chip category. I'll, I'll address the Derwin James Reed thing. Um, for me with Derwin James, it's more of just trying to figure out what he does best. Um, you know, it's just human nature when you, put your name on something, you want to see it. You want to know that it's, that it's possible, that it's, you know, been done. And with Derwin, it's almost like, I don't know if I've seen enough of him doing certain things to really put my stamp of approval on there and say, like, I know what this guy's going to be when he gets to the NFL. Um, I went back and watched um, six games of his freshman year on all 22, trying to get a good feel for what this guy does. And it's like, even in his freshman year, when he was supposedly this animal, and completely healthy, you know, coming out of high school, and it was like he was just supposed to be this freak. He was more of that guy who'd hit you if you didn't see, if you didn't see him coming, but rarely was he a true chest up wrap up, you know, thump him in the you know thump him in the chest tackler. Uh, it was just more of a guy who kind of looked a little lethargic out there sometimes, and didn't really look to get his nose dirty. He didn't really look to stick his nose in the fan. And as a coverage player, he had flashes, but overall it was a little inconsistent. And then he comes back this, you know, past season, and we saw – it just felt like he was rusty physically, mentally. We, I couldn't really tell, but it looked like he got better as the year went on. And with Derwin, it's just tough to know what he's going to be. I don't know if he's really that Cam Chancellor type guy because I don't think he's nearly that physical – He's obviously more athletic, but I don't know if he's really going to be a the presence of some of the past safeties, you know, in recent years. Where Justin Reed, I feel like I have a better feel, obviously, because he's played so long at Stanford. I have a better feel for what he does. I know that I've seen him play in the slot. I know I've seen him in the box. I know I've seen him do so many things and do them well that it's almost like I'd rather take a chance on something that I know than something that's more of a risk but maybe a higher upside. Only thing is, Justin Reed put up some pretty darn good athletic testing numbers. So it's not like I'm getting a poor athlete with him. I know what I'm getting, and I know that he's also a pretty above-average athlete. So it's more about just I know what I'm getting with Reed versus Derwin James. I I still have just no idea. Um, And then, you know, blue chippers in this class, this is a weird class because it feels like there's so many quality safeties. But if I had to put my stamp on one and say this guy's a blue chip player – Minka would be the only one, 
And even then, I'm not sure that he matches up to some of the past safeties. When I look at, like, Keanu Neal, Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams, I felt like, I again, I knew what those guys were, and they were blue-chip players. And they've proven it in the NFL. They've brought, you know, pre- there's a presence on the field. And they kind of be- have become something major in their defense, where the defenses are being built around those three. And Minka, I'm not sure if he's kind of just going to be a chess piece and that that fits the final piece of a defensive puzzle or if he's really going to stand out and be their guy. So, you know, and then cornerbacks, Denzel Ward, Mike Hughes, Jair Alexander, um, Carlton Davis. Yeah, those guys are absolutely – I think those are first-rounders in any class. Um, Carlton Davis can't catch, but <laughs> if you want to press corner, who's going to participate in the run game and, you know, slap box on every single snap, Carlton Davis is your guy. Uh, I think those four are, you know, the ones where I don't think it matters really. Well, I guess that's not true. It matters what scheme you run, but, the, you know, Ward, Alexander, Hughes can fit any scheme. And Carlson Davis, if you're looking for a press corner, if you run a press man scheme, he's, I think he's going to be a top guy on a lot of a lot of teams' boards. All right, there you have it. Justin Gamble not putting his reputation on the line. If he's an NFL general manager for Derwin James, who Vegas has coming off the board – I don't know if they have him or Denzel Ward first, but they have Derwin James. Maybe they know something we don't, but we're going to talk some Vegas prop bets later in the show, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Joe, back over to you for day two talents. Again, very deep class. I mean, I'm looking at guys. I know he didn't have a great combine, but Joshua Jackson, I mean, made plays throughout his entire Hawkeyes career. Uh, The LSU corners, Dante Jackson and and, – Kevin Tolliver, I, I think, fit in that category. And, you know, Duke Dawson, man, I mean, someone's going to get a really heck of a good slot corner on day two there. Uh, those are some guys that stand out to me. Uh, your thoughts uh, on day two talents? Uh, yeah, I like Jackson. He's uh, another big physical guy, uh, plays one side. He could really press down on somebody. Um, I don't think he was challenged a lot last season, uh, like coming in with rep, uh, Isaiah Oliver, I think we're at a different class. Maybe he's, uh, you know, brushing into the first round. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to light there. And just whatever they're putting in the water for these Colorado DBs, just another corner. Like you said, Rick, uh, over six foot, runs extremely well. I like just uh, Oliver. He gets off blocks real quick, those strong hands, and lays somebody out. So uh, a corner that wants to tackle, uh, making room for them. Uh, Isaac Yadam, Boston College. I don't know if he fits into the day two. Maybe he's on the outside looking in around three, but uh, that, it's another corner from that defense. Uh, they, they, that's what they do at Boston College. So I've, I think uh, Yadam's a guy that MJ Stewart, another uh, just a, a stud, I think, at the senior bowl and. I've been called crazy before, so I'll stick to it. Devontae Harris, Illinois State. I think he does sneak in there, man. I've been uh, banging the drum for this kid uh, the whole way. You can tell when a corner loves to hit, and there's not many corners that do. He relishes in it, uh, really just loves ball. Uh, I don't know that uh, he's, you know, Mr. Superfast. I I think he tested well enough. He's a little grabby at times, but that's just a corner. I I think future nickel, a guy that's going to get his nose dirty, doesn't care, and and he's going to come away making plays. That's I'm just a huge personal fan. Corner-wise, those are the guys I'm really – just uh, eager to see where they land day two. 
Over to Justin for his day two values, selections. Uh, how do you see it breaking down? Anthony Avery from Bama, man. I feel like most years mm-hmm. Bama corners are the only ones talked about. And this year, no one's talking about him. But Avery came in at 5'11". He ran in the 4'3". And it shows on, on, on the field, too. I mean, the kid runs like a track star. He's quick. He's loose. Um, and in man coverage, he's just wonderful. I think if he's two inches taller – He's easily a first-round pick, but he kind of – he looks shorter than 5'11 on tape, and he's only like 185 pounds. Um, But, you know, starting slot in the NFL from day one, he can tackle. He's well-versed in, you know, the pattern-matching schemes, and he's a versatile dude playing coming from that Saban defense. So um, I really think Avery is being, you know, super underhyped. DJ Reed from Kansas State, I feel like that's another – He's small. He's 5'9", 190, but he's another explosive kid that he's going to come in and hold down a slot spot right away. Um, Quentin Meeks from Stanford, big dude, ran the 4'4s, could transition to safety. Just There's just certain things about his game that I'm not sure he what scheme he's best in. I'm not sure what his best fit is, but I like Quentin Meeks from Stanford. He can tackle. He's another long dude who can tackle. Um, I feel like he can play certain, you know, multiple positions. And then you've been talking about this guy forever, Rick, and I finally got to really dive into his tape. And Perry Nickerson from Tulane, I mean, if he plays for a power five school, I don't know if he's a first rounder, but maybe. Um, And I don't know if he's even going to go on day two coming from Tulane, but, you know, and he's also a redshirt senior, so he's a fifth-year guy. But just just talking pure on-field talent, I mean, it's it's like football porn watching this kid. I think he's another guy mm-hmm. who comes in, plays in the slot. But this is a turnover machine. He had, I think, six or seven picks last year. And he's making picks against, like, Army and Navy teams that just don't throw the ball. But the four times they did, he managed to pull one down. Uh, I loved, absolutely loved watching Perry Nickerson. And I, you've been hyping him up for, like, 12 years, I think. But I finally got to look at him. <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I, I, I try to do some homework heading into that NFLPA collegiate ball this year and had an opportunity to watch him film prior. And I just, you know, I said, this is a starting corner at the next level. And then when I when I did arrive to L.A., I mean, he just stood out uh, playing in a, in a league of his own out there uh, amongst the other players. And then I think, you know, when he tested, I think that confirmed what we saw on film now. I will say, you know, I'm probably not thinking about Perry Nickerson until round four just because I did hear some things. There might be some concerns about his knees, um, how accurate that is. You know, I I just – I'm not privy to that information, but I did hear a few things about that. So, uh, Justin, you mentioned the Alabama corners not getting any love. I mean, we didn't even – I don't think we even mentioned uh, Tony Brown, Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace. The walk-on. and then also, I mean, Tavarius McFadden from Florida State, this this young man was very highly thought of at one point, and now he, we've seen his stock slip and slide. As You know, this time last year, I think, you know, Quentin, Quentin Meeks of Stanford was also getting very high consideration. So, uh, Justin, your thoughts on any of those guys or, or, or any other corners that we have yet to mention? Yeah, McFadden, man, took a fall after, what, the 2016 season. I don't know how many interceptions he had that year, but a lot. 
And then this year he comes in, he just looks so lethargic, and he looks labored in man coverage. You could see how tight he was. And, I mean, he's another guy like Derwin. It's like, what are you? What do you – what do we do with you? I think he's obviously best in a, you know, zone-type scheme where he can kind of work from a side shuffle and read the quarterback and use those ball skills. But is he – does he fit the – does he meet the threshold of athletic prowess to play in the NFL? It, Simply put, I don't really know. I don't. He's he's interesting, man, because he's got some things that obviously translate. But just from an athletic standpoint, he didn't look prepared at the combine either. And oh man, I I would take a chance on him. You know, day three or early day three, possibly he might slip into day two. But another dude that I just we don't know. We have no idea. Um, you know, Levi Wallace from Bama that you brought up too. I like that. I like to talk about him just because kid's a walk-on, but he came in and held down a starting job at Alabama, and he had some pretty good tape. I mean, most of these long corners struggle to transition and flip their hips, and, you know, you really – it's it's rare to see guys fight so hard on in-breaking routes. But slants, digs, you kept seeing this dude turn his hips and accelerate in and use that long length to kind of wrap around the def- wrap around the receivers and get a lot of pass breakups, so – um, I know he's what, six two. I don't know how, or six one and a half or whatever. I don't know how what he came in at. It was like one seventy five. So he's not going to go probably till day three. But someone's getting a quality corner, and if you can add a little meat on that kid's bones, you might get a guy that is more durable than we think. All right, talking uh, defensive backs here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. RIC in a place to be. Rick Saratella, like it is. Joe Everett, Justin Gamble here for the duration. Uh, we're about 30 minutes down, 30 minutes to go. Just want to wrap up on any players we haven't discussed, Joe. Uh, you know, I, I'm taking a look at our composite rankings, a guy like Rashawn Golden from Tennessee. Some people feel he's a corner. Other thinks uh, his best position is at safety. Um, Darius Phillips from Western Michigan had a very impressive pro day workout. You mentioned Devontae Harris from Illinois State. And Michael Joseph from Duboke, uh getting the Senior Bowl invite. But for me, it's Teron Johnson, a Weber State. You want to go watch some impressive film. Uh, I love – I think, you know, in terms of small school corners, I think Teron Johnson might be the best of the bunch. That's just me personally. But uh, anybody here, Joe, that we haven't touched base upon yet? Yeah, we should uh, pour one out for Nick Nelson. I think he didn't tear his MCL yeah. working out for the Lions. So, be remiss if we didn't uh, give him a shout out there. Uh, Levi Wallace is six foot and one quarter is what he was at the yeah. combine, and he just like McFadden. I think both those kids being less than two hundred pounds, specifically Wallace at one seventy nine, running that four six three. I mean, that just tells you what you need to know right there. Uh, McFadden, I think it's just training, uh, lack of discipline. He should have run better than that. I think a lot of people assumed, like, hey, it, it, it should have been a better time. But that's should have, would have, could have with him. I think that's his career there. So, uh, And then uh, Golden, yeah, he's a safety, uh, I think, for sure. Uh, and a good one at that. I mean, I just uh, – another guy that kind of that time indicated where he's going to end up in the pros. But um, – yeah, I like Levi Wallace. It's just uh, kind of is what he is. I, I think it's just late day three, priority free agent type. All right. Uh, and, you know, just 
looking through our composite rankings. Once again, you can log on NFLDraftBible.com, click our rankings tab, and you can go through the list as we are. And just, you know, some other guys here quickly, J.C. Jackson and Christian Campbell. You want some workout warriors. Um, those guys posted some impressive times. Brandon Faison from uh, Virginia Tech, this guy – at one point was considered a potential first rounder, has had some injury uh, woes in recent seasons. So we've seen his draft stock slide, but I think somebody's going to be getting a great value pick at some point in the draft. And then Chandon Sullivan, this uh, Georgia State corner, obviously getting a senior bowl invite on the NFL radar. Uh, Chavarius Ward, another guy from the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. We've seen uh, Kevin Bayard, and other guys come out of Middle Tennessee, uh, out of the uh, defensive backfield there. Um, Cameron Moore, I'm going to bring him up from Boston College because I, I saw him in person. I liked what I saw, and then he just ran a horrendous, I mean, a horrendous 40-yard dash time. I want to say like a 4.82. I could be wrong, but definitely a death sentence there for his draft stock. Uh, Trey Herndon, four-year starter from Vanderbilt, of course, another guy we've been tooting the horn from. Uh, outstanding pro day workout combine snub, in my opinion. Aaron Springs from uh, Oregon, another one of these uh, guys that test very, very well. Um, Sean Lurie from Northern Illinois, you want a, a small school guy, along with Malik Reeves from Villanova, who I uh, should report. I'm not sure anybody reported this, but IUP had their pro day uh I think earlier this week or last week, obviously with the baby coming, I can't keep track all the days blending into one, but uh, the Villanova kid, Reeves, Malik Reeves, uh, along with Max Redfield, who formerly of Notre Dame, there was snow on the IUP field. They moved the pro day inside. They had him running on uh, just a slippery floor. They actually canceled the pro day altogether. So a very unfortunate situation for Max Redfield, who, as you may or may not know, had some off-the-field issues there at Notre Dame. But, again, a guy that, you know, at one time was considered very, very uh, high in terms of draft stock and probably, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, is going to go undrafted. So how about Dane Cruikshank from Arizona? Uh, this is a guy that's not getting any love out there in the mainstream media. Um Siren Neal from Jacksonville State, another guy there that I, I really like his film. Uh, Ezekiel Turner, you want to talk about an undrafted free agent that's a lump of clay. The guy really didn't start or play too much at Washington, but, man, let me tell you, he he was another guy at the NFL PA Bowl where you just felt like this, there's something about this guy. Uh, he's got size. He's got speed. He plays all four special teams units, and I think that's where he's going to make his bread and butter early on in his career. But, uh, you know, somebody that I think – I believe Ezekiel Turner will be a much better pro player than he was a, a collegiate player. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Whitehead, I mean, hey, my man is getting no love whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know – a lot of people questioned. A lot of people questioned him coming out, and I think he's going to go higher than people expect. And how about Marcus Allen? You want to talk about uh, a guy that can play either safety position at, at Penn State, has size in the box, whatever you want. Armani Watts, Texas A&M. I don't think we discussed him. Natrell Jamerson from Wisconsin, the MVP of the East-West Shrine Game. All he does is make plays. 
so yeah, this is like we mentioned <laughs> to to start it off. Very deep, very talented defensive back class, and man, the list goes on and on. I mean, even undrafted guys like Nick Orr from TCU. I think. He's got versatility to play corner or free safety. He probably doesn't even get drafted, but I think he, I think he makes a roster. And Mike Basile from Monmouth. I mean, again, very unfortunate he didn't get an invite to the uh, NFL scouting combine. But this guy is a next level player as well. So hey, man, we just rattled off over seventy five defensive backs in this year's draft class. So we can't stop. We won't stop. We never stop here at the NFL Draft Bible, keeping it cranking. Here, that's what we do, baby. Two weeks away. I'm running on adrenaline. These guys are running on fumes. Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, Rick Saratella here, breaking it down, bringing you the names you need to know since 2002. Please follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. And uh, hey, listen, you can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, uh, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. But you know, I I, I realize that our our ratings and our comments on iTunes need a little bit of help. So I, I saw there's a few comments there, and I appreciate all the feedback and uh, duly noted in all the comments. But, hey, if we can get some more feedback, some more comments, the show has really been gaining steam and picking up a lot of listeners. We really do appreciate that. So please share, like, appreciate, comment, whatever the case may be. Uh, we'll never stop. So let's talk about um, Vegas and the prop bets. But before we do, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at PressureSportswear.com. Pressure Sportswear, man, these guys, can you feel the pressure? It's only 14 days away, the NFL draft, and uh, we're going to be fully clothed by Pressure Sportswear at the NFL draft. He's going to provide us with uh, some some brand-new clothing lines. So listen, a lot of good things coming from the guys at Pressure Sportswear for certain. Now, before we get into our Vegas prop bets, gentlemen, uh, we try to sneak in some draft buzz. And I, I don't know if we'll have time at the end of the show to get more draft buzz in, but there's one thing that kind of stood out to me this week, and I wanted to get your opinion on it before we dive into the Vegas prop bets. And the report came out, Again, I don't know if it was earlier this week, last week, whatever the case may be, the past week is all one day blended in for me. Baker Mayfield, my man is requesting first-class upgrades, really, uh, uh, on these visits. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, Joe, I'll start off with you. I don't know about you. It just rubs me the wrong way. There's a there's a few things Baker's done that uh, rubbed me the wrong way to start you know wanting to believe a, a little bit of where the, there's smoke there's fire is this guy a little bit of a, a problem to handle but the 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 I guess the problem I have is where's the where's his trainers where's the equipment staff at Oklahoma where you know I, he apparently treated he must have treated them well and didn't act a fool so I don't I'm, I'm I just don't know where it's coming from man uh, but apparently he did and I guess now he's living the high life uh, big shot talk the walk what do you want to call it but yeah I don't know it's strange what uh, money does to people I guess and that's it's starting to look like that's Baker I don't know I guess it's changing him Hard to believe, man. I mean, Justin, you're you're an NFL GM. Uh, you know, you're paying 
paying the flight for Baker to come and, and visit, do a private workout, whatever the case may be, whether it's him or his agent, they, they call you back, you get this phone call. Well, you know, uh, we'd love, we'd love to come work out for you, but, uh, going to have to upgrade us to first class. Bro, stay in your lane, little boy. You're not Joe Namath yet. You know, I mean, <laughs> come on, just, I mean, I don't – yeah, maybe it was his agent being demanding or being up high. I don't know, but come on. It, it only fits. It only goes with everything else we already know about Baker. So it's just not a good look. Like, even if it was something that, you know, was completely blown out of portion or we misunderstood, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things. Like you said, Rick, it's like, dude, that just doesn't hit. That doesn't sit well with me. Um, You know, l- get drafted, get paid then you can become a dick. But for now, like, yeah, you got to know your place. You got, I mean, I know the team, you know, he said, you know, the GM, some of the GMs really liked his personality, blah, blah, blah. But I think you got to stay humble as long as you can, even if you're faking it. And then, you know, become that guy that you are. But yeah, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me, but it's just stay in your lane. You know, and listen, when you're a 22 year old quarterback, you go on to the next level, all of a sudden you become a leader of men some of these guys have been playing in the league for a decade or so. I mean, this is, this is you know, bulletin board material, not just for the opponent, but inside your own locker room. I mean, I would imagine, you know, there's going to be some rookie hazing involved there with Mr. Hollywood. But to me, I don't know. I, I, I think that one thing I've learned over the past 17 years in the NFL draft um, evaluation process is that sometimes you also have to uh, – weigh in uh, what, you know, people that you respect very highly of and, and their opinion of these players. And I, I, from the people I've discussed and talked to about Baker Mayfield, I think he's the one quarterback that could do the slip and slide uh, come draft time. He could be the Aaron Rodgers, you know, sitting in the green room thinking he's going top 10 and, you know, really just, I don't know how far he slides, but, you know, if you take a look at our final exam analysis by, uh, you know, former NFL coach Steve Fairchild, who, by the way, is down at the Spring League with Johnny Manziel, and we'll have a full in-depth report on him as well. But he's he's breaking down his top six quarterbacks in the NFL draft, and we're talking really in-depth stuff, you know, grading them in 15 different categories, 20,000-word analysis on each quarterback. But he really made – some good points about Baker Mayfield and yeah, he is accurate. Yeah. He does have a strong arm, but when the pocket is compromised, his accuracy takes a big dip. And I think that, you know, while he enjoyed some great protection um, at Oklahoma and was able to move around, extend plays and kind of freelance on the fly, it's just not going to work like that at the next level. And um, everybody Anybody who's everybody's just assuming like, hey, you know, six foot quarterbacks, hey, no problem. But I hate to tell you, Drew Brees is the anomaly. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, he was taken in the third round. Um, you know, aside from those two guys and and maybe Doug Flutie, uh, who are all these six foot quarterbacks who have gone on and succeeded at the next level? I don't know who they are, but we're just automatically assuming like it's not a problem. And, you know, also nine-inch hands, I mean, this guy has got some really small hands. I hate, I hate to tell you, but it's just – it's true. So all those northeast uh, bad weather teams, 
uh, I don't know. You know, he thinks he would be perfect for Cleveland. <laughs> I don't think Hugh Jackson, based on <laughs> what we've heard from him in the past, likes those those small hands. So, you know, Baker Mayfield, to me, is, you know, of the big quarterbacks that everybody's talking about, he's the guy, to me, that I'm going to go on record and say is not only he, is he going to do the slip and slide, but he's going to be a bust. Just going on record right Ooh. now. That's my hot take, and uh, <laughs> maybe we can get some hot takes from these two guys, Justin Gamble and Joe Everett, later in the show. But now it's time for the Vegas prop bets, and I know, man, Joe, I know you're over there twitching, chopping at the bit. Uh, I, I know you, your eyes lightened up when we got to um, talk a little bit about the Vegas odds, the NFL draft prop bets. Two, second year now that Vegas has put these out, and boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. There are some things that really want to make me fly out to Vegas and play some bets here. Uh, so with that being said, I think there's something like 33 or 30 something prop bets that you can actually wager on uh, for this year's draft. I've asked the both of you to kind of go through all the different prop bets and come up with a, with a couple money makers for our listeners at home who do partake in the festivities, whether it's uh, business or pleasure. But uh, some of these things, man, I, I don't know. Does, does Vegas know something we don't, Joe? Yeah, I mean, they must on a couple of these. Uh, the one we talked about, I think, has got to rank number one. And if it's not number one, it's first when we're calling roll on what to bet. First wide receiver taken, DJ Chark or James Washington. I think Chark's just worked himself into the better draft slot. That And what is crazy, it's uh, minus 110 both sides. So they're basically saying either or. They're not even giving you a, a – I mean, like that to me is stealing. Um, I know James Washington, fine player, nothing against him. It's just I think Chark with the speed, a lot of the things he does well – uh, maybe it will be closer than what I envisioned. But, yeah, I mean, that was the first one that uh, spoke out to me. I've got three more, actually, that I think are uh, – I, I don't want to say easy money. One, I'm just putting my money where my mouth is. I've been saying this all off uh, the whole draft season, guys, about wide receivers. I don't have a first-round grade on none of them. Uh, I just I just don't – they're not my cup of tea. There's some. I think there's some good depth of this class, but it's just if I've got to stick my neck out in day one, I, I don't, I'm not really pleading the case for any of these guys. So they got that over under at two and a half, which basically means three got to get drafted, and that's the minus 175. If you take under, you're getting plus 155, and really – I get they're banking wow. on Ridley and and then DJ Moore and Cam Sutton, but I, I don't know. I I see it at the very end of that round. Uh, teams are just going to sit there and like, is he really worth this day one slot? I mean, we got to pay this guy. Why don't we just take the interior defensive lineman? We know it's going to be starting in 2020. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, that's one I just – that's kind of a pet one for me. The other two I feel really uh, solid in is more offense than defense. Uh, I think uh, defense, it's taken the minus one and a half, so you have to at least have the one and a half plus that. I've got – my latest mock is 18 defensive players, 14 offensive players, and I felt I put too many offensive players in, so – I'm I'm really liking more defensive players in round one here. I think that's a really safe one for me because it's even money too. And then the 
I think running backs uh, rounds one and two. They've got the number at five. Uh, I don't. I don't even think there's going to be five running backs taken in the first three half. rounds. That's but five and a half. Well, I'll take that. I. I don't even think they hit that number by round three. Round two. I, I like the under a lot there. And once again, this is another one at uh, even money. So all these bets, if you want to take a little action, you're not paying no juice with Joe's gold plays of the week. Oh, baby. (laughs) Book me. Hey, don't just book me round trip. Make a first class. I want to sit next to Baker Mayfield. Hey, I'm ready to go. Hey. Oh, man, Justin, I, you know, I agree with a lot of what Joe said. And, you know, again, Vegas Vegas has been pretty on point. History has told us that uh, house. House money usually wins, but I mean, there's a few things here that do stand out. Uh, what, what's catching your attention? Well, we got one that LSU players taking rounds one and two, and it's two and a half is the over under whatever. I don't, I don't, some of the stuff is just too complicated for me. I let Joe explain it to me late nights when we're around the table drinking and stuff. But uh, for now, I'm just looking at like. <laughs> I was looking at like it said two and a half. So so we need three players from LSU to be taken in rounds one and two. And I think Geis, Dante Jackson, and Chark are all locks for the top two rounds. So like that seems like a pretty safe bet. No, unless I'm missing something here. But I feel like that's that seems like some easy yeah. money. And then uh, well we got Penny or Ronald Jones being taken first. And it's. Again, that's another thing where it's like Jones could slide into the first round potentially. I know there's been some issues with him, and he's been kind of a jerk, whatever, jerk to NFL mm-hmm. teams, whatnot. So even if he yeah, takes bad, slide, bad, though, bad 40 right time there. and bad interviews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even if he takes a slide, he's a round two guy. And Penny is probably a round three, maybe round four, could slide up. But it's like I feel like this is easy. You know, Ronald Jones is a dynamic absolute you know burner on the field and again this is the dude just pure talent wise we were talking about potential round one and penny is a guy from you know a not power five school who probably is around three. Right. it's just that's pretty easy to me just take take ronald jones and then we got michelle versus chubb the georgia backs i am i missing something here too with chubb why why would Mich- why would chubb go before michelle no brainer, and I think Chubb. I think Chubb is actually favored to be drafted first. Yeah, yeah. Chubb is. Where is that coming it's from? It's like uh, that. That to me, I mean, I don't even understand this. Easy money. Let's go clean up. Is what is what. <laughs> hey happen. Baker, book me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Save me a seat. Save me a seat, yeah. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a four row? Is there a four seat row? Because I want to. We all three <laughs> Well, you got the uh, aisle seat, so we can hand off that beers before we get uh, busted for that DUI. But um, <laughs> anything else, Justin, that you got Vegas wise? Oh boy, I think those are the ones. Let that me I ask really you this. Let me ask you this. Confident. Everything I've heard is either Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, number one, right? And from what I'm hearing, Josh Allen will be the first pick. And if that's the case, from what I'm hearing, the Giants are in love enough with Sam Darnold to make him the second pick. Justin, I'll start with you here. It doesn't add up to me. Um, 
Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold's draft position, you have to wager 160 bucks to win 100 if Josh Rosen is the first one off the board. Yet, Sam Darnold, if you wager 100 you win $140 if he's first off the board. I mean, what team has taken Josh Rosen before Sam Darnold, Justin? Oh, that's a good question. Oh wow! It just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. I mean, yeah, I'm, I didn't really put that together, but now that you say it, I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. I really don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Maybe Joe might have something better to give you there. Joe, your thoughts? I think I think the way they got it set up too, with the Rosen being the minus one and a half there uh, with the juice, I think that must mean that. You know, if he goes three uh, and then Darnold's number read the one. Fine print. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why the, okay. that that would explain yeah. it, I think. And what I think they're anticipating here is that if he goes two, uh, then he covers. So that's why he's the juice gotcha. one sixty. Okay. And that is feasible right. that the you know, the Giants trade out and he, he goes two or he, hey, maybe the Giants just stick there even though the reports say they don't like him, but uh, as we've talked all draft season, QBs one, two, three, uh, it will not surprise me. All right. Well, let me ask you this then, Joe. It looks like Bradley Chubb versus Saquon Barkley draft position. It looks like they anticipate Chubb being selected one and a half slots ahead of Saquon Barkley. Is that correct? Well, I think it, that's the same situation there with the uh, um, uh, the quarterbacks. So they're they're giving Chubb two two draft slots with that minus one and a half. So I'm I'm assuming they expect uh, the Barkley to be selected uh, first. Is what I'm guessing. Oh, but okay. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, because, at this okay. point, Chubb's a plus one ten on that one. Yeah, and that, at that point, I don't know. I'd be itching to kind of. Take Chubb. I mean, there could be a team that's yeah. just like, ah, uh, running back, great, uh, Chubb. <laughs> that's what we really want. <laughs> Once again, that's a guy. He, he starts the next 10-plus years. You're not surprised at all. Well, you know, on our linebacker preview show, I know we, we, we really never came up with a consensus in terms of first linebacker off the board, but, Justin, they have Roquan Smith versus Tremaine Edmonds. Who do you see coming off the board first there? I was just looking at that one thinking I have no idea because you, you hear – I feel like it's a tough every one. single day on one of the, the you know major sites, you hear that one of these guys is definitely going before the other one. And based on what the NFL looks for, I would put my money on Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, that big and of a dude, that athletic of a guy, he's just an absolute freak. I mean, Roquan Smith is a smaller dude, short-armed, he's a little limited. For my money, Edmonds is coming off the board first, but don't don't spend your money on that because I, I really I really don't know. That's not something I'm completely confident on. Yeah, Joe, we we did have a lot of indecisiveness. That's a tough one. Your feelings on Smith versus Edmonds? Oh, Edmonds is off the board first, and uh, I don't know who wrote this up, but I'm thinking that Chicago at eight makes a whole lot of sense. They're right on that. Uh, Chicago just wants to add freaks to Fangio's defense, and then if he doesn't go there, uh, the Raiders make a lot of sense, whereas Smith, I mean, the lack of size and the lack of being able to get off blocks, I would assume teams are going to investigate into that. And, like, I don't know, he's, he's an awesome player. There is no – no one that comes away from his film going like, well, I'm bored. 
I mean, he's exciting to watch, but uh, it's just, I think Edmonds, that, that kind of freak testing and what teams envision him being, I mean, there's a lot of different things you could see him doing. So, yeah, I think he he's he's off the board at 8 or 10, and then Smith may wait a little longer, I think, than some people uh, would, would want, be willing to believe. Okay, very good. Uh we are breaking it down, NFL draft style, uh, laughing at some of these uh, things that I say. And I listen, Lance, I love you. I love you to death, Lance Zierlein. Uh you, You've stood by the draft Bible through the whole um, – what's his face? Brian Cushing, through it all. You always had our back. But, man, oh, man, oh, man, you're comparing Josh Rosen to Trent Green? Really? I mean, oh, God. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Call me crazy, but I, I just don't see that. I respect Lance very greatly, but uh, I, I don't know. I think Josh Rosen is going to be the best quarterback in this year's draft. Uh, Justin, who do you think is going to be the best quarterback in this year's draft? It, it's been it's been about, oh, three months or so since we did the, did the quarterback preview show. Who Who is your consensus quarterback at this point in time? You know my guy is Josh Rosen. I mean, since Andrew Luck, we have not seen someone like this. Um, I think he's maybe a little riskier as far as if he goes to a team that cannot protect him and cannot give him, you know, viable weapons, he's not like Sam Darnold where he can improv and run around like a crazy guy. So I think Darnold might be a little safer just to some degree as far as that athleticism could carry him for a bit and that backyard style. But overall, if you give Josh Rosen, you know, any ability to have time in the pocket and diagnose the field and scan, I mean, this guy is unbelievable. It never looked like he was fooled on tape. It always looked like he was just saying, you know, F it, YOLO. And he'd launch a ball into cover. But, you know, he's that guy that he's calculated and I don't really, I don't mind college quarterbacks taking risks and knowing that the game is on the line and, you know, throwing up some balls that he needs a little help with. Josh Rosen is just too darn good. And it's so crazy that he might be the third quarterback off the board in this class. But since luck, I have not seen someone at, at this level. It's just, I think that, that he's not a super athlete, anymore you know in today's NFL that seems to be what is starting to be maybe overvalued but it is what it is I think whoever passes on him is going to regret it well I'm with Justin I know Joe's been pounding the table for Sam Darnold we all know that if you listen to the show and uh you know Joe I want to shift away from the quarterback discussion we've got a couple minutes left here the um the AAF, the Alliance of American Football League, is making waves here now. Uh, <clears throat> Charlie Ebersaw, Dick Ebersaw's son, is the master plan man behind it. He's brought on Bill Polian to serve as um, pretty much the CEO or the face of the league. Uh, individuals such as Troy Palomalo and, and Steve Smith and some other very prominent NFL names are involved. But most importantly, Joe, we usually don't give new startup leagues the, the time or the day, but i gotta, I got to be honest with you, man. The, the big thing here where I, I, I kind of feel where 
there's some legitimacy to this league is that they do have a TV contract. I think NBC Sports, uh, I'm not certain off the top of my head, but I, I think it's NBC Sports has agreed to televise this league. And, hey, listen, they're ready to play their first game on February the 9th, uh, less than 12 months away on the calendar. Um, in other words, you know, listen, you come play in our league from February to August, you excel, you do well. You latch on with the NFL team. You jump right into training camp. And is this finally the complementary developmental league that we need since we've seen NFL Europe disappear? It, it, it sounded like it, and that's, that's, that is exactly what I was trying to pursue if uh, I wanted to make this thing successful is how many good things came out of NFL Europe. I mean, it was a quarterback's league. It was the developmental quarterback's league because we know better than that. It takes years to get that position refined and and really come accustomed with checking plays and and getting protections right. I mean, there's just so much a quarterback has to do that you can't fully master without full on-game experience. And that's what I thought uh, NFL Europe really brought to the table so if they embrace that developmental side of things and that schedule that you brought up, I think is perfect because it's like, hey, you know, spring we're going to get cranking, lead you right up into September. You're going to be in tip-top shape with some footage out there. Get you in a camp with that. I mean, your chances are so much better, and, and you know their TV is going to going to be dead right. I don't care if it's on NBC or whatever. The son of Dick Ebersaw is going to make sure we've got network coverage. You know this. So, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some upside to this thing. And like I say, if they really kind of uh, embrace that side and get uh, willingness from the NFL side of things, uh, they, that could only be a success. I'm just hoping that these rumors are true that Steve Spurrier, old ball coach, is going to be one of the coaches mm. to this team because, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, That's I'm buying my tickets for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, before we dive into the old ball coach, a hey, if it wasn't for NFL Europe, Joe, we would have never known about J.T. O'Sullivan. <laughs> Jake, Jake Del Home. I mean, uh, Kurt Warner. Jake yeah, Del Home. Good quarterback. Kurt Warner. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, especially with, in terms of developing quarterbacks. I mean, I think, you know, back in the day, Steve McNair, um, Kerry Collins, whatever the case may be. I mean, these guys, Brett Favre sat on the bench behind uh, while he was on Atlanta. And then he went over, you know, to uh, Green Bay. And the magic man, Don Mikowski, went down. And we all know the story. But, I mean, back in the day, these quarterbacks used to be groomed and developed. And it would take two, three years before they see the field. Now you get drafted in the first round. Expectations are you got to play right away. Uh, Justin, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this AAF, Alliance of American Football League. Do you think – there is some legitimacy to this, and are you excited about it? I don't know much about it. It sounds like you guys might know more than I do. From what I'm hearing, it sounds legit. And worst case, they, they develop some good players or get some guys in there that make names for themselves and come over to the NFL. I mean, it seems kind of foolproof that, I mean, either way, it's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to You're going to get some decent players, and then worst case, they or you know, Best case, they start moving over to the NFL better and, you know, more developed, more ready for it. So, I mean, I'm excited for it. It's football. And I, it's one of those things where it's, un, it's un, the unknown. I, I just want to see what happens. It sounds 
sounds awesome. I mean, if I'm not going to not turn on my TV and watch this, so no, it is what well, it is. Steve Spurrier is already on the record and saying he would love to have Tim Tebow as, as his quarterback of that Orlando uh-huh. franchise. And wouldn't it be? All right, never mind. I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, you're telling me you're not going to tune in to a Tim Tebow versus Johnny Manziel football game? Hey, uh, now. Right. If, I, if I can get the visor on the sideline with Tebow and Manziel on the field, count me in. Uh, I so mean, who's not going to so tune into that? well uh gentlemen it's been another hour of power man i mean uh another show in the books we've now broken down every single nfl draft position so uh it's taken us about three months to do it but uh this is our 17th show in the books in terms of nfl draft bible radio show we appreciate everybody tuning in uh, throughout the duration of it all and, and supporting the show. And we're going to try to get some extravaganza bonanza shows in in the next uh, final two weeks. And, and maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll get some special guests on the show. We used to, we used to really get some heavy hitters on the podcast to, to talk about it. And, and if I can, reach out to some of our guys and get them on the show. I definitely will, but, you know, I'll talk to Justin and Joe, and we'll huddle up and see what we can make happen here in the final two weeks down the home stretch. They come. My money's on the outside. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure as always, gentlemen, uh, chatting it up. And, you know, next week we'll be, I guess, you know, we'll just we'll talk about the latest buzz and and uh, all the latest rumors. But I think at this point, it's it's really just a waiting game. Uh, anything you want to get off your chest, Justin, before we wrap things up? Yeah, one thing because I hold grudges and I'm petty, and that's one of my best traits. But earlier on the show, Joe said that Levi Wallace is what he is, and that he ran a four six three. But that was his second run. His first run was a four four seven. And as you know, you can't accidentally run fast, but you can have a bad run. So, Joe, <laughs> don't talk about the walk-on Levi Wallace because he has a, he's a good kid and he's doing what he can, but it's an uphill battle and he needs all the help he can get. So, yeah, yeah I, just wanted to get, I just wanted to get that out of there. <laughs> well, hey, I'm throwing you know, bad you, 40 you, times you, on him. <laughs> well, you know, listen – I'm I, I'm I'm looking at Levi Wallace and I'm looking at Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler ran a four six two. So hey now, I'm just saying, you know, um, story of the underdog and uh, Joe. Obviously, we're running out of time. Uh, anything you want to pump up off the chest here before we wrap it all up with a nice big bow tie? Yeah, just it wouldn't be a deep east show without me uh, mentioning my my personal fave Jesse Bates, Wake Forest. I don't think we got him out there. Uh, oh yeah, I just watched some of them this morning, man. I mean, form tackler, terrific range. He sees the whole field. Super smart kid. I'm just he just so understands how a play is developing and just gets there first. I really think how um, he replaces, he matches, he mirrors. He can do it all. He drives the bus the team bus to the game. I mean, this, uh, since redshirt freshman year, he's been leading that team in tackles. So uh, I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to have a player like that at Wake Forest for a long time. And he's going to go higher 
than a lot of people think. But I was just sitting here realizing, yeah, man, we did not get Jesse Bates on this show. And uh, Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. Indiana, representing. I close with that. Does he really drive the bus? Man, he does it all, <laughs> man. He shines everybody's shoes. He's in the equipment room spatting everybody's cleats, man. Oh my God! <laughs> the Demon so Deacons, well. baby. <laughs> well, listen, it's been another uh, episode down. Again, we'll be back next week, back at it again, bigger, stronger, faster than we ever were before. So, a big shout out to PressureSportswear.com dot com and uh, these guys, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, of course. RIC in the place to be, Rick Saratella. We tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since two thousand two. Please check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. Of course, we can't stop, won't stop over on Twitterverse at NFL Draft Bible. And until the next time, everybody, we'll catch you next time.